quickly let you know this morning that Debbie and I had a great time away at our youngest son's 40th birthday. I can't believe Debbie has a son that's 40 years old. And it was, it was just really neat because uh, there, were, there were, I believe his wife said there were 70 people that were invited to the surprise 40th birthday party for Blaine. And of the 70, 50, 55 showed up and they showed up from so many different states as far as California and Utah and Florida. And uh, when he walked into the gathering, he thought he was going to meet a couple for dinner. And when he walked in, he hugged the, uh, the friend of his, and as he hugged him, he looked over his shoulder, and he, his eyes just opened up, and his mouth dropped open, and he, he was overwhelmed when he started to recognize all these people that were there, but the greatest thing of all was when he saw that his older brother had flown up from Atlanta. And uh, he, they, they embraced each other and, and didn't let go for a while. But it was, it was so neat to be able to be there. So I thank you, Pastor Jeremy and elders and all of you for giving us the opportunity to be there. And I have to say, I, was, I, I got back and I listened and watched the service and it was amazing and it was a great message of God rolling up his sleeves and how he's always prepared to be there or to send somebody or do things that, that we can't imagine or do ourselves. And, and so that's our God, right? And, and if he lives in us, that's the way we ought to be. And just like we were challenged, we need to roll up our sleeves and be involved in what God's doing because there's a lot that God is doing. These last days, there's so much work to be done. There are so many people to be, still be reached. Do you know that in our country, there are people that haven't heard about who Jesus is? And you might say, I can't believe that. Listen, when we moved into this building, we met some of the neighbor kids. They were interested in what was going on. We had a elephant. I kid you not, we had an elephant in the back parking lot. Our neighbors were so excited, they came over, they were bringing melons from their gardens and tomatoes and things like that, and, and they actually wanted, once the elephant was done with the food and what came out, they wanted that for their gardens. So it was a win-win situation. But we had kids hanging out, and, and there were some kids that we were talking to, and, and uh, they wanted to know what this place was all about, and we told them it was about Jesus, and they were like, who's he? in our neighborhood. So don't think that, that the work is, is done. We are all here as laborers, co-laborers with God. And everywhere we go, there are opportunities we don't even realize. I hadn't planned on sharing this with you, but yesterday I was driving through McDonald's. Pray for me. I was driving through McDonald's and, and just picking up some, I guess you call it food, uh, but I was very impressed as I was ordering. And you know, when you're at that little thing that you hear somebody and you're not sure who they are or what they are, I hear this voice and as, as soon as I heard the voice, 
I was impressed by Holy Spirit that I needed to do something when I met the person from behind the voice. Now, it was, it was a mere 25 feet, and I started to get nervous. And I pulled up to the, uh, the window, and it opened up, and this young man leaned out. And uh, I gave him the payment for the food, and he said, I hope you're having a good day. And I said, I am. Thank you very much. That's, that's pretty rare to hear somebody ask that. And I've got something to, to ask you. And he kind of looked at me. I said, you know what? I believe in God. I believe that he answers prayer. I believe he can do things we can't do and other people can't do. Is there anything I can pray for you? And he stepped back, and when he stepped off the little thing that opens the window, the window slid closed. And he stepped back on it and said, sorry. <clears throat> and he said, yeah, I really need direction. And I said, you know what? The Bible tells us God will direct the steps of the righteous. God will guide us with his eye if you'll just trust him. Now, this is all going on, and people are lined up behind me. <laughs> and, and I told him, listen, I'm going to be praying for you, but I can't pray for you right here, right now, because you're going to get in trouble with the people behind me. I won't because I'm leaving. So, so know that I'll be praying for you, but I'm going to go back and visit him. And I've been praying for him. And before I left, he reached his hand out the window. And you, the people behind me must have wondered, what's he doing? And shook my hand and thanked me. Now, did he get saved? Was he saved? I hope he was saved. I'm trusting he will be saved if he wasn't. But that was the part that I was there to do. The Bible says some water, some sow, but God gives the increase. We can all sow seed of God's truth and God's love. We can all water the seeds that are already sown with God's truth and God's love. And God, somewhere, sometime along the line, is going to bring a harvest. And we need to be ready for that too. Amen? God is so good all the time. Amen? Well, today we're going to continue on, on where we were when I left off. And we've been learning about the kingdom of God. Hey, it's the kingdom you're headed to. You're already a part of it. But we're, we're headed to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and God wants us to start living kingdom principles, kingdom ways here. But sometimes we get so earthly focused, we're not much heavenly good. And so we've been learning about this through the Lord's Prayer, and we've begun to look at some of the parables that are, are parables about the kingdom, and the kingdom of God is mentioned throughout the New Testament, but specifically more than any other book, it's in the book of Matthew. And, and it's addressed as the kingdom of heaven because Matthew being a Jew, uh, they were always very, very concerned, extremely concerned about mentioning God, the name God, because if they mispronounced it, they felt like they, they dishonored God. So, Matthew, in, in most places, addresses it as the kingdom of heaven. 
He does at times speak about the kingdom of God, but they're the same thing. And so we began to look in, in chapter 13 of Matthew because that's where it is, it is referred to more often than not, any other chapter in the, in the whole Bible. And uh, there are, we find out that he's speaking to a multitude of people and he starts to share four parables. And he shares these parables and the disciples ask, why are you speaking in parables? And Jesus tells them that I'm speaking in parables because for those that are really seeking the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it'll be revealed to them. But those that are just here, they're here with their fingers in their ears and their eyes shut tight so they don't have to hear me or see me or deal with me face to face. And that's really important because when we, when we understand that you know, in that big multitude of people, there are people that are there for a variety of reasons, just like here. And people online, they're here for a variety of reasons. They've tuned in and connected for a variety of reasons. And, and some of them were that just there to see what's the happening thing. What's going on? What's the crowd all about? You know, when crowds gather, people just come because there's a crowd. They don't know what's going on. There were people there because they wanted to be fed. They had heard Jesus feeds people. There were th people there because they heard Jesus healed people. There were people there because they heard of the miracles that went on. And then there were people there because they wanted to know Jesus. They wanted to know God. And you know, today there are people that attend church out of what we heard already obligation, and there are people who attend church because it's an opportunity. And I don't know why you're here today, but I don't need to, but you better know why you're here. Are you here to hear from God? Or are you here to put in time? Are you here to hear and consider what's being said from God's word and say, well, you know, I, I just don't agree with that. Because I'm telling you, that's very popular in our society today. Well, I know it's the Bible, but I don't agree with that. I'm going to tell you, when we don't agree with truth, we lose freedom. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free and keep you free. But we're living in a society in a time where people have relative truth. Truth is relative to them, and that's not truth. If truth changes, it's not truth. See, the truth is gravity pulls us back to the earth. And there's no exception. Now, we can apply laws that overcome that, but that gravity is still in place. It doesn't change, and truth doesn't change. And if we will not hold on to the truth, we are going to be swept away in the deception and ignorance and darkness that our world is going in. And we're supposed to be rock solid. We're supposed to stand immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
And the only way that can happen is by the grace of God and in the love of God and for the glory of God. And we started out looking at two parables of the three that Jesus, once he dismissed the multitude, he started to speak to his disciples. And we're going to start there today. And before we go, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for your provision. And thank you for your power. Father, all of that is necessary for us to live this victorious life that you have offered to us and will guide us in. But Father, today we're in need. Every one of us, there's not a one of us that isn't in need of being able to grow in your grace and in your knowledge. To go from glory to glory. To mature and develop and become who you have for us to be so that we can do what you have for us to do in these very, very important days and times. So, Father, I pray right now for open hearts that the entrance of your word would bring light, that it would be life and health to those who need healing, that it would liberate and bring freedom because it's truth. Father, we thank you that you watch over your word to perform it, and you will confirm your word with signs and wonders following. And today, Father, we thank you for not just information, but Holy Spirit revelation. That as we apply it to our lives, ourselves, help us to recognize how that's applicable. That it would bring transformation and we would go from glory to glory. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, we've read this before, but it says, Jesus is speaking and he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for the joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys the field. So this guy is out in the field. We don't know if he's walking through the field, if he's working in the field or, or, or what, but he is in the field, and all of a sudden he finds treasure, and he recognizes it as treasure. You know, it's one thing to see stuff and another thing to recognize its worth. You know, I've walked through, I can't tell you how many garage sales. <laughs> and how many flea markets. And I will tell you, to this untrained eye, it looks like junk. But do you know, in the midst of that stuff, there's all sorts of treasures. You know, we, we, we love the stories on Antiques Roadshow where somebody said, well, I found this in a Goodwill, and it turns out to be a million-dollar painting. You're like, that looks like junk to me. But that shows my ignorance, my lack of understanding. Because if I don't see the value of what it truly is, it doesn't mean it's valueless. It holds value... I just don't have the benefit of it because I don't recognize the value of it. And it's important that we recognize the value of the kingdom. That's what this parable is about. This man is in a field. He recognizes treasure. And that treasure is the kingdom of God. Now listen, 
I, I want to make this very clear because sometimes people think, well, this is about salvation. It's not about salvation. Because it says he found it and he hid it, and for the joy he goes and sells everything and buys the field. He has to buy it. You don't buy salvation. Our salvation, the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is a gift from God. How much do you have to pay for gifts? Nothing, because that's what a gift is. It's something freely given. Salvation is freely available to every human being, and yet not every human being will be saved. Because we have to choose. It's available, it's been paid for, but if we reject Jesus, the price he paid will not affect our lives. We'll have to pay the price for our sin. It's a choice we make. And so the kingdom of God is like treasure that a man finds hidden in a field, and for the joy he goes and sells everything he has. Can you imagine this guy gets home and he tells his wife, get up, get out, we're selling it all. But that's how important what he found was. Nothing was more valuable. All the treasures he had collected didn't hold a candle to the treasure of the kingdom of God. Then in the second parable, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Now, this is a bit different. This guy knows what he's doing. He's out looking for something valuable. He's obviously found valuable uh, pearls, and he's looking for even greater valuable pearls. And it says, who when he had found one pearl of great price... Now, if you, you study this out, it's talking about a flawless, perfect pearl, which there is none, because this is a parable. This is him speaking about what is flawless and perfect, and what is that? The kingdom of God. Flawless and perfect. It's hard for us to even imagine to be able to relate to anything that's flawless and perfect. Unless your wife is telling you that's what she is. Or your husband is telling you that's what he is. But they're not. God and his kingdom are flawless and perfect. And so this, this merchant, this is a guy, his life is finding things that are valuable and buying them at a bargain. And so what he finds, he finds this flawless, perfect pearl. And what's he do? He went and sold all. That means all the things he had collected already. Everything that had been a part of his life. And he sold it all, and he bought the pearl. Everything for one thing. Now this is about the kingdom of God. Jesus said to his disciples, the kingdom of God is at hand. The word of God tells us the kingdom of God is within us. But are we recognizing the treasure? Because we all treasure a lot of things. 
if we were to walk into your house or your apartment, wherever you live, we would see things that you treasure because you brought them in. Some of us bring in more stuff than others. And, and they represent things to us. What's valuable, they represent uh, memories and experiences and things like that that are, are precious to us. But the question this morning is, what is the most precious, most valuable thing in your life? And please don't answer that. Because nobody needs to know that but you. And God already knows. Because he sees how we, we live our lives. And yet, Jesus is telling his disciples, this is the way things should be. And yet, I think as, as Christians, many times we, we approach our relationship with the Lord almost like a parachute. You know, when I get in trouble, I'll call you. I'll pull the ripcord and I'm hoping you're going to be there. Because we take our lives and live our lives the way we want to live them. Not always the way God wants us to live them. And then when things don't work out, we want God to be involved so he can fix it. And God wants to be involved, but he doesn't want to be involved sporadically. He wants to be the most valuable, the most important in our lives. That's why the Bible says Jesus is to have the preeminence, first place, highest value, greatest influence in our lives. And so we see this and we, we look at it and we get uncomfortable. What's God telling me? What's God telling me this morning? Do I have to get rid of everything and, and, and go live in a monastery? Do I have to be like those monks in India? They give up everything. They wear a, a, a wrap around them and they go begging for food. No, you don't have to do that, but you do have to prioritize. And actually, that's not an accurate statement. You don't have to do anything. But if we say, if I say Jesus is my Lord, I'm saying Jesus is my master. I'm saying Jesus is the one in control. I'm saying Jesus is the one that guides and governs and guards me. He's my provider. He's my protector. He's my all in all. And I will tell you today that I am not doing this the way I need to. I have been very convicted through all my studies that there's an adjustment and I'm making adjustments as time goes on so that I can be of the same mindset as what I read Jesus saying to the disciples, this is the way things need to be. And when we look at this, when we see the word kingdom, Obviously, we don't understand kingdom because we don't live in a kingdom. But that's where the king is in final authority. His will and his ways are done by everybody. Now, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, God's will and ways are the best for every one of us. There's not another kingdom like it. 
because most kings want everything done for their benefit. Our king wants everything done his way for our benefit and for others' benefit. And we're just deceived enough to think that if we do it another way we think is better, it, it will be better than God's way. Doesn't that sound stupid even coming out of my mouth now? But we do that. I do that. We do that at times. And so we see how important the kingdom is supposed to be. But is it? Is the kingdom something that we consider, you know, Saturday night, Sunday morning? And then Monday we go on with our own kingdom? Our own will, our own ways, our own way? Because that's not the life Jesus came to give us. He came to give us life and life more abundant, not just one day, but every day. And the only way that happens is we let his kingdom and him as the king have his way every day, everywhere, all the time. That sounds kind of impossible. It would be if God hadn't given us his spirit. The spirit of God lives in us. He is the one whose kingdom it is too. It's not just the Father's kingdom. It's not just the Son's kingdom. It's the Holy Spirit's kingdom. And he's the one that imparts and empowers us to live in a way that embraces kingdom principles. And when we talk about treasure, and I haven't shared this before, but treasure... The word treasure is a very interesting word. It's a Greek word that, that means a deposit. A deposit. So the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. It's a deposit. See, God wants to deposit in your lives what you don't have and can't get anywhere else and is better than everything else let that sink in the kingdom of god is a deposit that is unlike anything else that you can get anywhere else and it's the best why would we not want that seriously why would we not want the kingdom of god if it's the best for us and we can't get it from any place else because of what the Bible tells us is operating in this time of the last days, there's a lot of deception going on. And, and we've talked about deception. Where there's deception, there is loss. And we're being robbed. And if we're being robbed, the people that God has for us to impact and influence and in part two, they're being robbed. You know, you, you hear about these, these massive robberies where Brinks was robbed of millions and millions of dollars. I'm telling you right now, the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, and the world itself is being robbed massively of the deposit God so willingly, so desires to make in our life that would empower and impart to us 
what we need to be who God has for us to be, that grace, and do what God has for us to do and impact and impart to other people. And we, I, you, we have to understand we've got to make an adjustment that all the things that we have up to this point determined are valuable, are important, are priceless, don't compare to the kingdom, the deposit God wants to make. Now listen, treasure, if treasure is a deposit, it's something that we seek, that we find, that we determine the value and we don't let go of it. But listen to, to what this also means. Treasure means a deposit. And for us living in this world at this time, it's what we look to or who we look to to enrich our lives, to enhance our lives, or to elevate our lives. Now, you know who knows this? That we are looking for something that will enrich our lives, enhance our lives, or elevate our lives? All the advertisers. All the advertisement that you are exposed to is all about enriching your life, enhancing your life, or elevating your life. And I have a question. Don't answer it out loud, because we all have the same answer. Has everything that has been promised to us by the advertisements to enrich our lives, enhance our lives, and elevate our lives, has it happened? And for how long? Because I want you to understand that that's what they're drawing us in with. But I want you to realize that none of them can fulfill what they've said for any length of time. It's like the lifetime guarantee. You guys have had things you bought with a lifetime guarantee and taken them back and said, it's broke. Yeah, well, it has limited lifetime guarantee. Isn't that an oxymoron? A limited lifetime guarantee. Lifetime is forever, as long as we're around, but it's limited. I want you to know that God has a lifetime guarantee. And it's not just for this lifetime, but it's for eternity. So why would we not pursue the kingdom of God more than all this stuff? I mean, sometimes I'm a sucker. I'll just sit there and listen to these advertisements and be like, I think I need that. Obviously, it worked. I'm drawn in. And now I'm desiring something. And I'm requiring something. And I'm thinking, I can't have a good life without this stuff. They told me so. Right? And you know, nobody lies these days. I just lied. <laughs> but this is about the kingdom of God. We all have. The kingdom of God available to us. The kingdom of God is within us. But is the kingdom of God really our priority or are all sorts of other things? And I know, I know, I know. We, we've got to work. We've got to do all sorts of things. We've got to take care of kids. We've got all sorts of stuff. We've got to keep up because everything we get 
falls apart. Even our bodies. But I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is the best. The kingdom of heaven is where God makes a deposit in you. Man, you're, you're getting downloaded from not the cloud, but the king. I mean, I don't know what's on the cloud. I don't even know where the cloud is. But I do know the king. And I know who he is and I know what he does. And all of it is beyond anything we could imagine or think, and it's all the best. So God wants to make this deposit, but we've got to, we've got to determine what, how valuable is it? What have I got to give for it? You know, we as Christians in, in the United States pay very little, not for salvation, but in being a disciple of Jesus. What's it cost you? What's it cost us? Because I'm telling you, there are Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, that to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, a fully devoted follower, their life is on the line. Their family connection is on the line. And, and that happens sometimes here. But for the most part, it's so easy to be a Christian here. And you know, Jesus is telling his followers, his disciples, there's a price to pay if you want to not get saved. You're mine. But once you become mine, if you're going to grow and develop and become who I have for you to become. This is not a part-time thing. This is the priority of our lives. If we count Christ as our Savior, He is the uncontested priority of our life, or should be, and yet rarely is. There's always a battle in our lives for who's first, who's going to get their way. And that's where Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, you have to deny yourself. You can't Give yourself your way anymore. Pick up your cross and follow me. You give yourself away to God, and then he'll have, him have you give yourself away to others. And it's important. It's important that we recognize that. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, a very familiar portion of Scripture, we saw part one of the references here, but... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This is what I'm telling you. God, God's kingdom wants to make a deposit in your life. All these other things will be added. You don't have to pursue them. If you pursue God first, these things will come over you. And instead of being overcome by things, they the things will come over you and God will supply what you need. But it says, seek first. Those two words are pivotal. They're so important. The word first indicates priority or order. If something's first, what's before it? Nothing. 
Nothing is before it. Nothing is more important. Nothing is more valuable. Nothing is more desired. But it says seek. Seek first. And that word seek is the Greek word, and this is so crazy, thesaurus, which don't we have something that sounds like that? Yeah, thesaurus. What's a thesaurus? Miss Lynn? Yeah, it, it tells you words that say the same thing. It helps you understand more. But in this case, thesaurus is, is important to know that there's a variety. God is a God of variety. And, and the treasure that you need, the treasure that you seek is not going to be found in the earth. It's going to be found in God. And he's going to make this deposit, this treasure deposit in your lives so that, that you will realize as time goes on, man, what, what I'm seeking. is having an impact on my life. When I seek first the kingdom of God, my life is being deposited into. Now, let's just take it in, in the realm of food because all of us can relate to food. If you ate once a week, some of you are like, I don't fast. Well, we're supposed to. But if you ate once a week, how healthy would our bodies be? How strong would we be? What would the vitality of our lives, the level of vitality be? Wouldn't be great because we need food to be able to metabolize, to have strength and be able to do the things that we need to do. But if we neglect it, which there are times we neglect meals to fast or if we're going through procedures or, or whatever, but we always go back to it. And yet, the most important thing in our life is not food. Now, I will tell you that the Bible tells us in the last days, one of the indicators of the last days is their God will be their bellies. And, and if you look and see how many, and I, please don't, don't, don't write to me. How many cooking shows we have? I mean, it's crazy. And I watch them. I like them. And I like to eat. But I realize that if eating becomes my God, my life is going to go down the tubes. I'll kill myself if I'm not eating right and properly and if I'm eating all the time. Now, Please, please understand, this could be applied to anything. But since universally we all eat, I figured that would be a good example. And, and it's uncomfortable because these are uncomfortable things, but they're necessary things because Jesus is coming back very soon. With everything we see, it's very soon. And he's coming back for the church. 
coming back for his bride without spot or wrinkle. And this is part of the process of God getting the spots and the wrinkles of the world out of the church. You know, when, in a wedding, when, when everybody is there and the groom and, and the person that's performing the ceremony is there, the wedding ceremony, they're all up in front and the bridesmaids are there and the groomsmen are there and then all of a sudden the doors open up and it's the bride. And traditionally, what happens when the bride begins to enter? Everybody stands up to honor the bride. What, what if the doors opened up and the bride had rips and was all dirty and had filth all over her? You know, the reaction would be like, oh, instead of, oh. Man, I want to be a part of the bride that, that there is such honor. Oh, my gosh. You know, at that moment, nobody looks at the groom. Maybe except for his mom. And that's the time, as, as an officiant of, of weddings, I'll stand there and I'll say, doesn't she look beautiful? And I'll look at the groom and the groom is like, <laughs> hold it together. And that's the time they can cry and they can take a couple of breaths and, and get recomposed as the bride walks toward her. The bride is moving towards Christ, and Christ is moving towards the bride. And it's time to get the, earth, the, the world out of the church. It's time to get the compromise out of our lives. Because what if Jesus comes tomorrow? Are you ready? Well, we're all going. Well, read your Bible. Well, what do you mean? The Bible tells us there are going to be two people in a field, one will be gone. We've got to be prepared. And this isn't a fear tactic, this is a truth telling. Because we've become very complacent and very casual about our Christianity. When you get to heaven, what do you think is going to matter? The day on the lake or the time you put in studying your Bible? praying the day that we were able to see the foliage or the day you went to church now listen I'm, I'm preaching to the choir you guys are all here but anything can be in that type of example what is it that draws us away that we think is more important in that moment than God And it's not just about coming to church. It's about making God a priority. And I will tell you, I have been so impressed by God. And it's only happened twice in my life before Debbie and I moved up here. And I was a youth pastor. God got very intense with me about how important what I was doing for him, not just as a youth pastor, but how my life was devoted to him and the change that was coming and, 
And, and he brought me to a portion of Scripture, and I'll, I'll share it with you. Out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, it's not going to be up there. Don't worry about it. Don't want to freak the guys out up there. <laughs> They're scurrying. 2 Timothy 4, where is it? I don't see it. Because I didn't put it in. Because I wasn't sure I was going to share it. But 2 Timothy 4, chapter 4, verse 1 through 4, I want to read it. Just listen. This is out of the Living Bible. This is what Paul speaks to Timothy as he is... He is uh, moving into the realm of, of doing what God had for him to do and being what God had for him to be. So I solemnly urge you before God and before Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom, to preach the word of God urgently at all times, whenever you get a chance, in season and out, when it's convenient and when it's not. Correct, rebuke your people when they need it, encourage them to do right, and all the time be feeding them patiently with God's word. For there is coming a time, and I will tell you it is here, when people won't listen to truth but will go around looking for teachers who will tell them just what they want to hear. They won't listen to what the Bible says but will blithely follow their own misguided ideas. It's here. It's happening. We're seeing it every day. I want to read this out of another translation, the New English. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the message. Be ready, whether it is convenient or not. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and instruction, for there will be a time when people will not tolerate sound teaching. Instead, they'll follow their own ideas and desires, and they will accumulate teachers for themselves because they have an insatiable curiosity for new things. They will turn away from hearing the truth, but on the other hand, they will turn aside to myths. Now, this is, this is a direct application in my life, but it's true about all of our lives. We've got to see what are we looking for? Are we looking to hear what we want to hear? Are we looking to just have support what we think is right? Because I will tell you today, most people live in echo chambers. And when I say that, this is what I mean. An echo chamber, you just hear what you just said. We don't want to be around anybody that says anything different than what we think. Because we want to consider we're always right. But I will tell you, no one's always right. And the only way we can find what is right and what is true is one place and one place only. And that is God's word. And that's where Christians are casting off. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't believe that. I believe this can happen and that can happen. The other thing can happen. And because Christians at this time, and polls have been done, are more biblically ignorant than they have been in decades. People will listen to people that sound like they're authorities, sound like they know what they're talking about, but what they're saying are lies. And if truth sets us free, what, does lie, what do lies do? It'll put you in bondage. It'll rob you from the freedom that God's given you. And right now, there are a lot of Christians that are being robbed of the freedom and robbing other people of the freedom that God wants to bring not only to their lives, but through their lives.
It is not time, and it has never been time for us to do just what we want to do and think just what we want to think and believe just what we want to believe. Because lives are dependent on it. Your life and my life. This is not just about a Sunday morning. When I was praying and before God, God said, you're preparing my troops. You're preparing my bride. You're preparing my body. And I will tell you, that just caused me to say, God, I, I'm, I'm not capable. I'm not able to do this. You got the wrong person. And God said, no, I choose who I choose. I choose people that oh, nobody else would choose. Because I see what's in them. And God has chosen you to live in such a time as this. You and I have a privilege that people that we read about in the Bible wish they had had to live in the days that we live in. Not for all the conveniences, but for all the opportunities that are everywhere around us that require us to continue to grow and adjust and become more like what Jesus has for us to become because we have looked and seen a treasure. A treasure, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that is making a deposit in our lives so that other people would be able to see heaven on earth be able to see Jesus in flesh, Christ in us. That's the hope of glory. See the fruit of the Spirit in our lives instead of the cr crud. Oh, man. Instead of the crud that is being perpetrated everywhere we go by people that are so unloving and uncaring and impatient and unkind. And we are supposed to be the exact opposite, even to them. Because we've made the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, our treasure. And because of that, we're always available for God to download, to deposit in our lives something that is beyond our lives and beyond this world. This is coming from the throne room. This is coming from the king. And amazing that he'd make a deposit in us. And yet that is always what he's wanted to do. He's wanted to take every one of us as uniquely and differently as we are and make that deposit that he would live in us and through us in a very unique way that would impact all the people around us that he so loved he gave his son for. This is not just Sunday morning. This is not just life as normal. This is about an end-time army rising up. This is about dead bones that are coming to life and being a mighty army because of his spirit, because of his deposit, because of his word.
Luke 12, 34 says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Remember, treasure, a deposit. Where your deposit, where you're looking for a deposit, what are you looking for to deposit in your life? Are, are we looking and saying, you know what? If I just had a better job, my life would be better. So that's your treasure. If I just had this or I just had that, my life would be better. No, all this stuff in this world temporarily maybe causes your life to be different, but it's not necessarily better. The only thing that will guarantee get your life and my life to be better is the kingdom of God. And we waste all our effort and all our excitement and all our resources on all these other things, and then we struggle with having to give time to the kingdom of God, to prayer, to study, to read our Bible, to fellowship with believers, even to come to a gathering, an assembly, because other things are more important. And one day we're going we're gonna to look back and we're going to see how unimportant a lot of these things were. And we're going to see what Jesus had to say about it. But when it says, where your treasure is, there's your heart. The word heart there is, is the seat of your attention, affection, desire, devotion, and passion. Where's your attention, your affection, your desire, your devotion, your passion? Is it Jesus? Is it his kingdom? Then there's something else that is a treasure above. And we're not seeking first. When we seek, it's about what we desire, require, and worship. Where your treasures, your heart is. Where our passion, our attention, our affection, our, our desire, our devotion is. And we're going to be looking at, in light of these these parables we're going to be looking at we all should be continuing to be transformed is that right the bible says don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and that transformation is an ongoing process until we get to heaven because when we get to heaven we're going to be what god made us to be but until then we're continuing to be transformed we're letting go of things and we're embracing what god has for us and as we mature physically, chronologically, and spiritually, our treasures change. Because most of us came into the kingdom to avoid hell. Or we came into the kingdom because of a crisis, we needed help. But God wants us in the kingdom because of love our love for him and our love for one another and our love for the world that he so loved he gave his son. And we don't have to worry about us. But we're going to look at Paul's transformation. Because how many of you think God used the Apostle Paul in a mighty way? You know, I, I've always said, God, I really would like to be used like Paul. And God made me very aware, you want to go through what he went through? No, I just want the good part. Isn't like that like us? We want a bargain. I don't want to pay the price. I just want the goodies. We're all bargain hunters. 
The best is his kingdom, and it comes at a cost. And we in America don't understand that because we don't pay much of a price to be a true disciple of Jesus. And that scripture I read to you out of Timothy is what has continued to just squeeze me to the point where I can't avoid doing what God has as much as at times we all want to. And the things that I am going to be sharing are things that are rarely heard, but they're straight from the Bible. And it is time that the church rises up in the purity, in the power, in the priority that God has. But remember this, whatever, whatever, whatever price we pay, understand you can never outgive God. The Bible says God will never forget your labor of love. And as much as it seems like this is costing too much, remember those two people found a treasure, found a flawless, priceless pearl, and did what? Sold everything for that one thing. We're going we're gonna to look at that, too, and understand how that, that is, what that's all about, because it can be very daunting and scary, but it's not. Because as much as we are bargain hunters, if somebody's a bargain hunter, what are they looking for? Yeah, but they're looking for something to give, to get, when they give what? Little. And do you know that that's really what the kingdom of God is like? You can't outgive God. Whatever you give God, he's going to give more back. There's always, God's kingdom always brings bargains, the best. But it does cost us. It costs us our trinkets for his treasure, if we're willing to give it. And if we think about it, why wouldn't we? Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, the Bible tells us we're supposed to to receive the milk of the word. That's something that's easily uh, taken down and digested. And then there's the meat of the word. And I want you to know that this morning there was a lot of meat. And I was very aware that sometimes when we get a lot of meat, you, you can get to the point where you almost choke. And I'm not looking to choke you, but I am looking to feed you in a way that will fortify you. This isn't a message you can go home and say, well, you know, that was good. It's a message that you need to sit and let it marinate in you. Let God begin to reveal things to you personally about what was said and how it applies. Because not everything applies to everyone, but something applies to each one. And so, Father, today I thank you. I thank you for clarity. I thank you for pinpointing to each one here and those online what it is that you're saying to them. Because, Father, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. And you can clarify 
and differentiate what it is that you're saying. And Father, help us to have open hearts to be willing to receive anything you have to say because whatever you say, whatever you show, whatever you want to do, it's always to enhance our life, to enrich our life, and to elevate our life. And so, Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Father, prepare us. Prepare us for the days we're living in and the things that we'll be exposed to and experience so that we can be overwhelmingly more than conquerors in all things. Thank you, we thank you. And if you're here this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you realize, you know, I, I, I do a lot of things out of obligation. I, I don't really know God. I don't really take the time. If you've never trusted in Jesus and received the gift of salvation that he purchased on the cross for you, that's something you have to recognize. Then realize you've got to turn to him, repent, and receive what he has waiting for you to begin this journey of transformation and abundant life. That's not always easy. Not always comfortable, not always convenient, but it is always the best. So if you're here today or you're online and you have never received Christ as your Savior, I'm going to invite you to pray, but I'm not going to make you pray alone. I'd ask you to join me as we pray, all of us together this morning, saying, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Son, Jesus, who came to earth lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin, and was raised glorious and victorious, and seated at the right hand of the Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I come to you to present to you my life. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours, you are mine, guide me, govern me, guard me as I seek first you and your kingdom. I thank you all these other things will be added in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, please let somebody know before you leave. Because we want to rejoice. We want to celebrate. The Bible says you become a new creation, a new creature in Christ. And so it's a process, and we want to be a part of that process. If you prayed with us online, let us know that you prayed. Go to the website, reslifeny.org. Uh, go down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, let us know your name. And if you want us to contact you, give us some contact information. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Amen? Amen? Would you stand? And God is doing a great thing. You are living in the greatest time to be alive as a Christian. I didn't say the easiest, I said the greatest. And you have the privilege of representing the kingdom of God here on earth, revealing the unseen God. Jesus said when he was asked, by his disciples, show us the Father. Jesus said, I've been so long with you, 
If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And it should be said of us, if they've seen us, they've seen Christ in us. Amen? I want to pray for you before we leave. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every one of your children here and online. I thank you that wherever we go, you're there. You care. And that, Father, you daily load us with benefits. Father, we want your kingdom. We need the deposit, not just once a week, but every day from your kingdom to enrich our lives, enhance our lives, and elevate our lives so that we can enrich others, enhance others' lives, and elevate others' lives with your truth and your love and your life. So, Lord, we thank you for working in us this week. We thank you that we can connect with you everywhere all the time. We're never without you. And that, Father, we can reconnect next week and share the victories and even the struggles and stand with one another to see your kingdom come and your will done in earth, in our lives, as it is in heaven. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. have a great week.